Thank you. Thank you so much. Man, it's good to be back. You might have to fill out a connect card. You think also. <laughs> so good to be here. Thank you for thank you for praying and just the text messages, emails, gift cards. Just goes on and on. Thank you. Um, it's just good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, my my motto is uh, the chemo took my hair, but it didn't steal my joy, <clears throat> or my peace, or my salvation, and or my underwear. So. That's yes, oh, go ahead. As I was putting, we were putting up our Christmas tree and putting the ornaments on, and I was thinking to last year, we had no idea what was in store for the year ahead. We entered 2022 with anticipation, and it's like, oh, this is going to be a great year. And it turned out not to be a great year. There's been so many hard times and struggles and tears we've cried, but I can tell you God has been with us. Even when we didn't feel like it, he's been with us. And he's carried us to where we're standing here today. Amen. And we keep every day like his grace is sufficient. I can make it through today because he's with me. And tomorrow he'll be with us again. Amen. But Amen. You may be seated there. Thank you. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, they told me that I'd lose my hair, you know, the chemo would kick in, and I'd be sitting on the couch and just kind of rub my head and then be like a clump of hair, so I'm like, I'm going to shave it. And I tried to talk to my wife. I'm like, you should shave yours just <laughs> out of sympathy. And uh, she, she's a chicken, so. But my, uh, so I shaved my head. My daughter-in-law came over, Ryan's wife, and I was like, what do you think? And she's all like, I think it looks good, to be honest with you. You didn't have that much hair anyhow. So uh, she's technically out of the family, uh, out of the will, and um, looking for a new daughter-in-law. So, But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey for, for sure, and um, just being away from you has been hard, and, uh, but God's good and faithful, and uh, thank you. So... And I want to thank our staff and all the volunteers and especially my wife. She's just been amazing through this process. She's been, yeah, an amazing partner and caregiver. And I think uh, for the last couple months, aside from a night or two, we've taken communion together every night and have prayed. And um, so we've just grown closer together, grown closer to the Lord. And that's what happens when you go through trials, right? And uh, but God's been good. And um, do you want to say anything else before? Yeah, well, while he's been gone, he had a surgery to get a port in, and that went fine, and I, we had to change the dressing. It was, it's actually a little overwhelming, and so shout out to all the nurses in the room, like, you guys are amazing. Then he, um, I had to start giving him shots, so technically I'm kind of a nurse now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I never want to do that again. Um, but that happened for about a week or so to produce more um, bone marrow. And then we went in for the bone marrow retrieval, 
and they said it could take three to five days, typically three to four days. And so that was just a long, a long day of being hooked up to machines and all of that. Well, it only took two days. So we were grateful to the Lord for that. And then um, we started the transplant process. And what that was is we, the, the, the hospital that we went to, City of Hope, is almost like a big, it almost looks like a big college campus in a way. There's lots of research buildings. And so we stayed in the hospital hotel, which is about a mile from the day hospital. So every day we were given a time to go to the day hospital and they would, the first day they uh, gave them the heavy duty chemo and that was day minus one. And then day zero was the day they gave him his stem cells. So when they retrieved the stem cells, they had more than enough, they'll store the rest. And so we got his stem cells and that, then they, we left and they said, happy birthday. <laughs> you're like a brand new person on the in, inside. Come over here, you're walking away from uh, me. <laughs> And the, the hospital hotel is on this corner, and the day hospital was the last building on the opposite side of this campus. And Steve made the decision. They said, it goes through a process, and it was kind of a, a you, you start kind of here. No, you go down, and then you start going back up again. And they said, around day five. four or five, you're going to start feeling very weak going to have lots of symptoms, you're going to, you know, I had a whole three pages of different pre prescriptions and medications and, and instructions for them. So, but Steve made the determination that he was going to walk every day from the hotel to the day hospital. It was about a, a little over a mile. So some days we had to be there at seven, some days eight, some days one, but every day, he walked to and from the day hospital. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but for the extreme chemo and everything he was going through, every day the nurses would say, I can't believe it. This is so amazing. And we would just say, yeah, we have a lot of people praying for us. And so that... I mean, through this whole process, I could recount so many miracles and we rehearse them often. We say that was a miracle that God did that. It was a miracle that he could walk back and forth from the day hospital. It doesn't normally happen. So we were so grateful for that. And um, he had about, I don't know, five or six days where he slept probably 18 to 20 hours. And he didn't eat much, but he had very little side effects, which we had been praying for. Um, when I thought maybe, oh, maybe he won't lose his hair. Some people weren't, and the nurse said, oh, no, for sure he will. Other people that you see, they're not in for the same thing. So I'm like, okay, please, Lord, just keep his eyebrows. And so <laughs> God did that. Females, we have makeup, but... Um, are like, no, he needs something. <laughs> so we're grateful for that. But um, it's just very humbling. It's very, um, I don't know, to be standing here today. Because so many of you have walked through some really hard times. You're walking through hard health crises. And um, I'm just, we're just like you. We had to walk day by day 
His grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect. So I want to encourage you and um, just praise the Lord. All the glory goes to him. And so he's at day 55. So they said 100 days that he has to be mostly isolated. He can be around small groups. He can cycle if he wears a mask and stays away from people. Um, we can't go to restaurants yet. He can't greet anyone. I'll probably take it slow to greet just because I haven't been around crowds of people either. Um, but just thank you for your supporting our prayers. And um, and just when you think of us, continue to pray. He's in remission. Praise the Lord. And we want him to stay that way for years and years and years and years. So that's what you can be praying for. And then also, we just want to spend the rest of our lives helping people to grow deep in their faith with Jesus. Because the word tells us that the storms are coming. But if you're planted in him, they're not going to knock you out. They're not going to take you out. Life can be very, very hard. We've walked through some very hard days, but we're testimony. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yeah. Our testimony is God is faithful. He is true. He is just, and he holds us. So we can worship the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. How many are excited to get into the Word? And uh, grab your Bible, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 13. Um, Exodus 13. We're going to look at a lot of verses just because I haven't been here in a long time. So let's just dive in. Exodus chapter 13. Thank you for all the incredible speakers we had, especially last week. All four did such an amazing job. We've been watching every Sunday morning. And, and uh, I got to be can you look this way after you find Exodus? It's not that hard. It's the second book there. Uh, I feel, I feel excited, but I feel nervous because I just feel a lot of pressure because I've had text messages, pastors calling me like, dude, it's going to be awesome when you get back into the pulpit and, and I'm sure God has deposited so much. You're going to be so annoying. It's going to be such a power. And I'm like, what if it stinks? <laughs> what if it's awful? People are going to be like, what have you been doing the last three months? And uh, so I feel, I feel excited, but I feel a little pressure to preach the word of God and, uh, but but I'm home and uh, I, I get to preach to the greatest group on the planet. And for everybody watching online, thank you for tuning in. Exodus chapter 13, the title of the message, ready? The title of the message is, I had to go through it. Someone say that. I had to go through it. I had to go through it. Thank you, man. Thank you. You're, you're dismissed. Yeah. You sound good. Yeah. Give him a big hand. Thank you. I had to go through it. I had to, some, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I had to go through it. I had to go through it. How I many know this is all, all over the Bible? The Israelites, we're going to discover they had to go through the wilderness. They had to go through the Red Sea. How I many know that the Apostle Paul had to be shipwrecked, had to go through the storm, had to handle the snake, had to go to Malta in order to get to Rome? How I many know that the Bible says in John chapter 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria? Remember that in John chapter 4? Had to go through Samaria because he's going to meet a woman at a well. Jesus had to go through it. Jesus had to go through the cross. 
How many are grateful that he had to go through the cross to die for your sins and mine? So again, turn to your neighbor and say, you had to go through it. You had to go through it. And I mean, we live in a, we live in a, a, a culture and an environment where um, we just want things now. You know what I'm saying? I get frustrated when I go through the drive-thru and if there's four or five cars in front of me and it takes more than 90 seconds to get my Taco Bell. In fact, by the way, I got to confess this. Me and my daughter, I think every Sunday night for the last couple of weeks have gone to Taco Bell. And uh, how many like Taco Bell? Keep your hand up. Come on, keep your hand up. No, these are the real Christians at our church right now. Yeah. And um, so... Uh, but but we, we love, how I many know we love instant? We love microwaves. And uh, how many are grateful you can cook a whole meal in three and a half minutes? And uh, we love instant. And we've been using Uber Eats for the first time and DoorDash because I can't go to a restaurant. We want things now. But what I've discovered that oftentimes if God wants to produce something good in your life, it takes time. I mean, maturity takes time, integrity takes time. In order to be patient and to walk in perseverance, God. God makes us go through some difficult things, like he's had me go through some difficult things, and, uh, but it takes time. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 13 and 14. And we, we, most of you, if you've been around the Bible, know the story of Exodus. They, God's people were slaves in Egypt, right? But how many know that God wants his people to live free? Just like he wants you and I to live. Turn to your name and say, he wants you to live free. And, uh, and uh, Pharaoh wasn't letting God's people go. So what did God, God used some plagues. Can, can anybody name one of the plagues that God used to get Pharaoh's attention? Raise your hand, raise your hand, let me call on you. Locusts, locusts, frogs. Someone said cottage cheese? No, 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 not cottage cheese. Famine, flies, uh, the, de uh, uh, the death of the firstborn, right? And uh, how many know that, 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 that Pharaoh would kind of relent and then uh, he would harden his heart again and then God would use another plague. And, uh, but eventually God's people got out of bondage because that's where God wants you and I to live. And uh, so they're on their way out of the wilderness into the promised land, but they come to the Red Sea. Let's pick up the story to Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. You got your Bible, say amen. Notice the Bible says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though... That was what? Though that was shorter. Write this down. I'm going to give you three points out of Exodus 13 and 14. Number one, God's plan. Ready? God's plan doesn't always make sense. God's plan doesn't always make sense. Again, in verse 17, notice this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was what? Shorter. And I'm like, hey, God. Why don't you take them through the short route, the easier route, the more convenient route, the pleasant route? And how many know that oftentimes God's ways do not make sense? Now, the Bible says in Isaiah, his ways are better than our ways and higher than our ways, right? How many, come on, with your hand lifted, how many believe the ways of God are better than your ways? But how many know that his ways aren't simple? His, his ways aren't easy. They're not convenient. They're not always exciting. So he took them on the, the long way. It wasn't the quickest way. It wasn't the easiest way. But it was the, the best way. Why? Because God's people weren't prepared for the battle. They weren't ready. Check it out. Maybe God has you going around the wilderness for some time because you're not ready for the next thing that he has for you. See, you want to you wanna get married, but you're... You're too immature. You're too young. You don't have a job. 
I mean, you're working Slurpees at 7-Eleven. You can't provide for her. Some of you want kids, but you're still a child yourself. And you're, you're wondering why God's not blessing with children. And could it be that you're maybe not ready to be a parent? Maybe you're not ready for the promotion. You're not ready for the platform. I've said this. If God would have gave us this many people when we started the church in 1997, I was too young. I was too arrogant. I was too prideful. Our kids were too young. We weren't ready for this. How many know that God, God knows what he's doing? So some, he doesn't take us around the easy way, the most comfortable way, but he takes us through the best way. And he says, notice chapter 14, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Piharoth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. How did I do with those names? Did all right? Yeah, I had three months to prepare for those. I want you to notice, by the way, how specific the directions of God are. He isn't just like, well, kind of move in this vicinity. No, he tells them exactly where to go. But what's interesting about this passage is if you were to look at this location in verse 1 and 2 on a map, God is actually, look at me, taking them to a dead end. Why would God take them to a dead end? Maybe you're here today listening to this sermon, you feel like you're at a dead end in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, in your future. And here's what I've discovered. Sometimes what looks like a dead end, God is just setting up that dead end to bring deliverance in your life. Come on, he's not done with you. And although the ways of God, we don't understand his ways all the time, his ways are best. Can someone give me an amen in the house today? Listen, you might feel discouraged. You might feel disappointed. You might be in despair today. But I came to church to let you know today, the ways of God are the best ways. They don't always make sense, but they're the best ways. Can somebody put their hands together and give God some praise for that? He says in verse 3 and 4, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land of confusion, hemmed in by the desert, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain, here it is, glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israel's, Israelites, what, did this. Seemed like a strange strategy to bring them to a dead end. How many know that God knows what's best? Father knows what's best in your life. Come on, encourage your neighbor and say, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. Notice verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that he, the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have left the Israelites go and lost their services. Why? What did the Israelites do for the Egyptians? They made, they made bricks for them, right? And so the Egyptians and Pharaoh let the people of God go. Now they don't have anybody to make bricks for them. So they're like, we're going to change our mind. Let's get them back. Verse 6. So he had his chariot make ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all around them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out. How were they marching out? By the way, it's interesting in the story that God let the Israelites out of Egypt and then they get captured again. Ever felt like that? I'm just getting better and then boom, I get a bad report. Just seems like the job is going really, really good. I just got the promotion and then they, they let me know that they're making cuts and I'm the first one to go. Seems like the marriage is taking a turn for the better. And then boom, out of nowhere, you find out that he was having an affair on you. She was having an affair on you. Have you ever felt like that? It seems like things are going better and then boom, something hits you. And it just seems like it's getting worse. 
But notice they're marching out. How are they marching out? Boldly, with an attitude, with swag, defiantly, confidently. But it doesn't last because in verse 9, the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them. They were free, but now they're getting overtook as they camped by the sea near Piharoth, opposite Bel Zephon. Verse 10 says, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, the Israelites did what? Look at your Bible. They looked. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And it's interesting. Because just a couple of verses later, it says they were marching boldly. And then verse 10, it says, then they were terrified. Why? Because they looked up. Come on, don't leave me up on the stage. How many of you ever got your eyes off of the Lord and started looking at your problem, your diagnosis, your issue, your situation, your test, your trial? And listen, when you get your eyes off of the Lord... Guess what happens, verse 10, then you start to get afraid. That's why the Bible says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Colossians says, listen, we're to fix our eyes on him. He is our life. How about this, ready? Eyes on the Lord, fear goes down. Eyes off of the Lord, fear goes. I'm not the only one, am I? That at times in my life, I've gotten my eyes off of Jesus and his goodness in my life, and I got my eyes fixed on my problem, my cancer, my diagnosis, my situation, my lack, my poverty, and we got to get our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Verse 11 and 12, they said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have better... But better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. How many have ever felt like that? Come on, let's just be honest. Maybe you never said it out loud, but if you've served Jesus for some time, you've thought it. Like maybe it's, maybe it's just better to do my own thing. You ever felt like that at your job? Like some total atheist, agnostic, the most rude person at your job, they're getting the promotion. And I'm always on time. I got a good attitude. What's going on? Where's all my single ladies at? You ever felt like all your friends are getting married? Awesome wedding. He seems like a great guy, and you're like, hello. Biological clock is ticking. God, where are you? Maybe, maybe it'd just be better to do my own. I'll go. Here's what, I'm gonna go hit the club. That's what I'll do. I'll go. Maybe you never said it, but you thought it. You ever felt like that? Like you, you're a generous person, you give, you tithe. And the most greedy person around you, let's just like, it just seems they're buying brand new furniture, just got a new house, they're on vacation every other week. You're just like, maybe the tithing thing doesn't work. Maybe I'll just do finances on my own. Maybe I'll just do marriage on my own. Maybe I'll just do my own thing. It just seems like it's not coming together. Anybody else? Don't leave me up on the stage here, right? And maybe you never said it, but you thought it. And this is where the Israelites are in the text. But the Bible says in verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Notice, the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. Notice what he said, stand still. Someone say stand still. Now, what he says is true, but it's not totally true. 
I, I never saw this in the past. I read this passage many times. I preached on it, never saw this. Moses said, hey, all you got to do is stand still. Not true. Notice what verse 15 says. Verse 15 says, or verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need to only be still. Got it. What do we got to do? Be still. Not true. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to what? Well, Moses just said, stand still. That wasn't the whole picture. God said, no, move on. I'm going to ask you a question. What are you standing still in that you need to move on in? I, I've met people, they've been divorced for 10 years, but you talk to them, it seems like they just got divorced two weeks ago. <clears throat> he moved on to someone else. And you're still bitter about the betrayal. I'm not saying it wasn't hurtful, but it's time to move on. He said something mean about you. She was rude to you. They lied about you. They gossiped. But listen, are you going to stay in unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment for the rest of your life, or will you move on? Listen, you were hurt at another church. Come to this church. Listen, move on in forgiveness. You were hurt in another relationship at a job by a coworker, by a friend, by a family member. It's time to shout it out. It's time to. So what are you standing still in that you need to move on in? So Moses said, stand still. But no, God says, no, no, you need to move on. You need to move on. You need to move on from fear into faith. You need to move on from unforgiveness to forgiveness. You need to move on from the friends that betrayed you. Move on from offense. It's time to move forward. It's time to move on. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. Verse 16, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the Red Sea on dry ground. I read this and I'm like, seriously? That's the military directive? Moses, just like hold up your staff. That's it? How many think that's like kind of, kind of a weird way to win a battle? Raise the staff, Moses. Wow, that's re really awesome right there. Doesn't seem very intimidated to me. Intimidated, but God's plan doesn't always what? Make sense. Here's number two, ready? Can I give you number two? <clears throat> God's presence. How many are thankful for the presence of God? God's presence will always be with you. Pastor Steve, what's like one thing that has really stuck out in the last year of your life when your kidneys failed and you've gone through this? The presence of God. I don't understand everything. Everything doesn't make sense. But one thing I've sensed is the presence of God like I've never felt in my life before. Verse 17, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them and I will gain glory. There it is, I will gain what? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why do you go through what you're, so God will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Here it is, when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen, that God will get glory. This is interesting to me. Verse 19, then the angel of God who had been traveling, who had been traveling, key word, look at me. The presence of God was traveling in front of them. Isn't that awesome that God goes before you? 
that in front of your diagnosis, in front of your sickness, in front of your divorce, in front of your disease, how many are grateful that the presence of God goes before us? So I like that. I like that. I almost fell off the stage. Hmm. The angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went. Huh? So I got, I got the presence of God going before. That's great. God's going in front of me. But the army's chasing you. And God's like, well, I'm going to go from in front of you to behind you. Oh, no, I, I want the presence going in front of me. And God's like, no, 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 no. Now my presence is behind you because I'm in between what you're going through and the enemy that's pursuing you. So, so here it is. God has you covered is what I'm trying to say. He's got your front and he's got your back. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God's got you covered. I don't know what you're going through, but God's got you covered. He's got you covered. He's in front of you and he's behind you. God's got your back. You can read the rest of the story, verse 21 through 28, the Israelites are, are, are going to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are chasing them with like 600 chariots and they're fast and it's a big army and it's intimidating. And the Bible says in verses 21 through 28 that God confuses the Egyptian army. And he kind of jacks up the wheels of the chariots and the Israelites go through the Red Sea. And what happens to the Egyptians? Well, the wall of water like buries it and the Bible says that not one of them survived because of the presence of God going in front and behind them. We know this verse. I quote it a lot, Hebrews 13, 5. He will never leave you or, Mala said, he will never. Interesting to me, because the word leave and forsake, it seems to me it's like the same thing. But actually, if you look in the Greek, it's actually God will never physically depart or emotionally abandon. God's got you covered. How many like to watch horror movies? Don't raise your hand. <clears throat> By the way, you, honestly, you shouldn't watch those and you shouldn't let your kids watch them. You're, you're honestly opening up yourself to the demonic. But anyhow, I, I don't, I haven't watched one of those in years. I, I watched The Exorcist when I was like 10 years old with my little brother. We were the only ones at the house, at a two-story house at like at midnight. My parents were gone. I'm like, why are you watching The Exorcist? But, I, you know, some of those horror movies, you, I mean, it's like the walls are speaking. There's ghosts everywhere. Huh? There's blood coming down the walls. And I always wonder, like, in those, why don't you leave the house? <laughs> what do you do? Like, I, I'm out of there. I left the coffee on. You can have my telephone and my big screen TV. I am leaving you and departing you. Why are you staying in the house? But how I many know we have... We have ghosts in our closet. But aren't you grateful that God never leaves us or forsakes us? So the presence of God goes before us and it's behind us. Let me say it again. God has you covered. Come on, we just give God thanks for the presence of God. <clears throat> number, number three, God's people should always trust him. God's people should always trust him. Notice I didn't say we always do. I didn't say we always will or that we always have. I said that God's people should always trust him. Verse 29, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. If you read verse 28, you discover the Egyptians got swallowed up by the water, but 
God's people went through on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. By the way, when God wins, it's not like 102, 101 and triple overtime. God like dominates every time. I mean, we're on the winning team. It doesn't matter what happens in my life, we win at the end. And so now what they were afraid of, God's like, no, they're dead right in front of you. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, here it is, and put their trust in him. And put their, I, I want to be honest with you. I really haven't been scared during this whole process. I haven't. I mean, I don't really, my wife said, are you kind of nervous about walking out there with the bald head? Or is it like, not? Nah, it doesn't really bother me. There's so many people in our church going through way worse things. I, I'm just trusting in the, the Lord. I, I say it all the time. I'm not leaving this earth one second before God wants me to. You will not leave this planet two seconds before God wants you. Like, you're like, well, what is he doing in my life? God is so in control. What's he doing? He's sitting next to the heavenly father with his feet up. He's totally in control over your situation. And all, all we have to do is, like the Israelites, trust the plan of God. We don't understand it. doesn't make sense. It's not pleasurable all the time. But guess what? I got to trust him because he's in control. Where would, where would we be without putting our trust in God? How could you live this life walking through what we have to walk through and putting your trust in yourself? I put my trust in God. Now, I want to encourage you later, not now, but later, read Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. Because they get out of the... Red Sea, and basically the first 21 verses of Exodus 15, ready? It's just, it's a song of deliverance. They're just giving God praise for his victory. It's awesome. Now look at me. It's easy to praise God after, after the victory, after I get the job, on the wedding day, on the birth of my kids. But I wonder if there's any radical Christians watching the service, listening to the service that are willing to give God praise during the battle. During the battle. Huh? It's interesting. Exodus chapter 14, verse 16, I, I, I mentioned when Moses lifted up his rod, then it triggered the hand of God. When he lifted up his hand, his rod, it triggered God to come through. I just wonder if, can we just, can we just lift our hands to God and... I don't know what you're going through, but just give God praise right now. You're going through the battle, but give God praise. You don't even need to clap or anything. Just lift your hands like Moses lifted his hand. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my rock. He's my fortress, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer, in him will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus. We praise you, God. We give you thanks, we give you all the glory, we give you all the honor. Father, we don't understand what we're, why we're going through what we're going through, but we know that you're on the throne and you're in control. Come on, just open up your mouth 
Give God some praise right now. Father, we thank you. I'm not going to tell you what to say. Just let it be birthed out of your own spirit right now. God, I give you thanks. I give you praise. I thank you that you're in control. I thank you that you're on the throne. I thank you. God, as I just go through the alphabet, you are awesome. You are beautiful. You are compassionate. You're my deliverer. You are eternal. You're faithful. You're good. You're holy. You're my intercessor. You're just. You're kind. You're loving. You're magnificent. There is no one like you. You are omnipresent. You're powerful. You're my redeemer. You're my savior. I give you all the thanks and all the praise. God, you're in control. You're in control. You're on the throne. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy. God, I give you praise. God, I honor you. We put our trust in you and new and afresh this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Because there is none like you in all the earth. We give you glory, we give you honor, because there is none like you. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your ways, Lord. God, we don't understand your ways, but they're better than our ways. Forgive us, Lord God, from trying to avoid your ways. Thank you for your presence. God, your word says where two or three people gather in your name, you're here. We don't even need to invite you. We just acknowledge that you're here in this place. You're here in our hardship. You're here in our test. By the way, let me just say this. Everybody wants a testimony. But in order to have a testimony, you have to go through a test. We all want to experience a miracle. But we want, don't want to go through anything in our life that would necessitate a miracle. We want Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, but we never want to be sick. In order for God to be our healer, it might mean that we might have to go through some difficult things. We all want God to provide. But in order for God to be our provider, Jehovah Jireh, that means we need to be in need. So God, we call upon your name this morning. We thank you, God, that you're in control. You stand to your feet. You know, I just wonder if there's anybody <clears throat> like me just going through it right now, just going through it. Look in my eyes. Look some of you are going through some stuff. Maybe it's not multiple myeloma, but it's a heartbreak. It's betrayal. It's a fractured marriage. It's a loss of a job. And you're right in the middle of it. And I just want to thank you for coming to church today on a rainy day. You could have slept in. You're pressing into the things of God, to the person of God, and God's going to meet you where you're at. But you're, you just say, Steve, I'm going through it right now. I want you to just meet me at the front here. I'm gonna pray for you. You're just like you're in the middle of the battle. It could be physical, it could be relational, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual. Just meet me at the front right here, come on. Just be honest. It's always like the first person, thank you for being the first one, and then everybody else will start coming. You're just in the middle of it right now. 
God sees you and God knows. Reading through 2 Peter, but a couple days ago I read through 1 Peter, and we know chapter 5, verse 7. Maybe you don't know the address, but let me just say, here's what it says. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. And I'm like, God, where are you at? I don't see you. But he's there. So he says, cast your care on him because he cares for you. But you're in, you're in the middle of it right now. I join my faith with your faith. You're like, well, I got to be honest. I don't have a lot of faith. It's okay. He said, if you just have faith as a mustard seed. Like the woman, if I could just, God, I don't have a whole lot of, but I could just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Thank you, God. So I'm just going to invite you. I know I had you lift your hands earlier, but just you up at the front. Would you lift your hands to heaven? If you're out there, would you extend your hand toward your brothers and sisters? Come on, you have no idea. We get the connect cards. We get the phone calls. We have the counseling sessions. People in our church are walking through hell. God, I thank you for each and every hand that's lifted right now. I thank you that you're in control, that you're on the throne, that you're the God who sees. Not only who sees, but God, you walk through us, through the valley of the shadow of death. I I pray that faith would arise in this place in Jesus' name. Hope would arise. Your word says that, God, when we put our hope in you, your hope does not disappoint. And so we put our hope in you, our faith in you. God, even as the Israelites had to go through the Red Sea, we have to go through what we're going through because we have another battle to face. We got to win this battle because there's another battle ahead. Listen, David, in order to beat Goliath, he had to take down the bear and the lion. I I declare by faith, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Hey, God's coming through for you right now. There's another, Larry, I just, this dear brother's got multiple myeloma too. I just declare in Jesus' name, look at me, Larry. We're going to get through this together. We're going to get through it. In Jesus' name. Listen, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, a power, love, and a sound mind. I'm not saying that you're not concerned at times, you don't get anxious once in a while, but in fact, I'm going to preach on this next week. He hasn't called us to walk in fear. He's in control. So, Father, we extend our faith. Minister. God, I'm not even smart enough, I'm not eloquent enough to pray the right prayer. You know the needs of your people. So meet needs, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you that we're going to get through it. Come on, confess it. What you say? I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through it. Come on, say it again. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through it to the glory of God. I'm going to get through it. Come on, say it again. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through this. God's got more in store for me. I'm going to get through it. Everybody in the room, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's just seal our time together. Let's put our hands together and give God some thanks and praise. Hallelujah. I love you so much. Um, Like my wife said, I got 45 more days till I can hug you. But after the new year, I'm giving you a big sloppy hug. I love you. God bless you. Thank you again for all your prayers. Have a wonderful day. We're going to sing one more song. Does that sound all right?
One more song. Let's just declare the goodness of God all over this room. Let's not leave until the song's over. Worship team, you guys ready to sing? Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you.